once again into the soccer OG. That's me, Max Bretos. This is episode 26. As I always like to do, please remind you to subscribe, share, rate, review the podcast to help us grow. It certainly means a lot. And thank you for all the support to all those, everyone out there, the college kids. I know you're paying attention. I'm here for you. This week in the business end, Maurice Edu, who's been very busy. Is he the busiest man in American soccer media? I will ask him. We'll get you ready for the September qualifiers. Which team players from this Gold Cup roster earned themselves a spot in the September qualifiers? We'll all talk a little bit of Messi. And in stoppage time, I will elaborate on what has happened to Lionel Messi. In addition to being a very sad situation... If you're a Parisian, a very optimistic one, an exciting proposition. It's just weird. It's all so weird. And we'll talk about it in stoppage time. The Soccer OG Podcast. We are pivoting from the summer tournaments to the leagues. They're upon us. What an exciting time. There's never a dull minute. There's never a chance for a break. But we'll find a way. The Soccer OG Podcast starts right now. We are back here on the Soccer OG. We have a fantastic conversation coming up with Maurice Edu of Fox Sports, CBS Sports, Atlanta United. And, uh, you know, I, I kicked the tires of maybe doing a podcast with that young man. I actually pitched him. He's like, what are you? But he's got so much on his plate. But we're going to talk about the U.S. men's team. He covered the Gold Cup for Fox. He, he broadcast the Nations League. So we'll have a discussion about who stepped up, who's going to make it, and, and the state of U.S. soccer. And as good as it appears, I'm just going to tell you it's so much better. So much better. That is in business end coming up here shortly. I'm going to keep this brief because, as it always is, our conversations go pretty long. Uh, I think you really enjoy that. In stoppage time, we'll talk about the biggest sports story in the world right now, and that's Lionel Messi. And... Uh, you know, we all saw the press conference, or most of us did, and it was uh, it was depressing, really. It was it was a last rites, most post mortem. <laughs> did the priest give a good benediction? I felt I should have asked during that. So um, we'll talk about it, and yeah, Barcelona are at fault here, but this could have gone a lot better for Messi, and he is really affected by all of this. And we'll talk about who else could would really have to shoulder this burden what's messy at psg gonna look like so I'll, I'll talk about that here in a little bit we have the league starting up the french league starting up so i mean no fanfare whatsoever with the premier league a little bit thanks to the olympics which promoted it heavily and by the way rebecca Lowe and arlo white those guys do a great job you know they're so enthusiastic so uh they've had a busy busy summer but you know you don't rest in this business that's what i tell my family you know, you have this nice, uh, you got this nice setup. You got this nice house and car because we've got to keep working. I don't turn down any work. You know, I haven't had a vacation this summer. We're doing a little escape to Mammoth at the end of this week. If you haven't been there, it's just Sierra Nevada is just glorious. High altitude affects me, but the little I got my little spot there, uh, the pontoon boat, so we'll be able to do that. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll talk about the leagues. Maybe I'll get the crew back together, Keith and Krakauer. And talk about uh, the, the Premier League. The fr French League's interesting now, you know. <laughs> the the French League is as interesting as the run-of-the-mill Spanish League. It's more compelling. 
And it's not just Messi. You're PSG. You're having a Galacticos. You're having the best collection of talent ever. Uh, certainly since those Real Madrid teams in the 90s that had Zidane and Beckham and everyone. And so we will uh, delve into that a little bit and uh, in, in, the, in the weeks that come. So leagues might start and do it. But we have a lot. I mean, there's this is unbelievable how how engaged the sport keeps you. And here we are again. Please subscribe. Check it all out. Share it to a friend if you're on a college campus. Uh, send it to your sorority brothers or sorority sisters and fraternity brothers. Let's get this sucker growing because we're, we're going from strength to strength. Uh, good friend Leland, I saw him with some of this merchandise coming out. It's going to be very cool. But let's get into the business end with Marisa Du right now. The Soccer OG. We're here on the Soccer OG. Joining me in the business end, Maurice Adu. And congratulations, Maurice. You've done it. You know what you've done? Tell me. Let's you hear are it. the busiest man in American soccer media. I'm just wanna. <laughs> I'm grinding, man. I'm trying to get to your level, right? So I, I, I got to start at the bottom, work my way up, and just you know hustle and grind and and get as many reps as possible. Oh, what a good attitude you have. No, we saw you doing the Nations League for CBS. Uh, you're like the Atlanta guy because you did some broadcast for LAFC and Atlanta nabbed you up. You're with Jillian Sakovitz and uh, Kevin Egan. Yeah. It's, what a uh, team. It's it's a, yeah, no, it's a really fun crew. Um, you know, been a little bit of an up and down season. The team's gone through some a little bit of a rush, uh, rough patch, but got a, got a win last night. In Col- I beat the champs. Yeah, in Columbus, good performance. Interim manager Rob Valentino's brought uh, – a new spirit and, you know, confidence and just brought a positive, some positive energy back into the team. He's a guy that is well-respected amongst all the players. And when you, when you talk to them, you know, they all kind of echo the same sentiment that he cares about them as people first and foremost. And then it's just trying to get the team to be in a position to where he can highlight their own individual attributes and get the team playing some good football again. I've heard all these, these, rumors or maybe they're more than rumors about the next manager in Atlanta and the more I hear about Valentino I'm like I think that's your guy right everyone loves him and you could not say a more nice thing you see him on the sideline you can see the love being reciprocated they're getting results I'm like I I think you got your manager right I mean for look I'm, I'm not the guy who makes those calls but he's doing well in the time that he has I give him a tremendous amount of credit and He's a guy who's very much, I mean, everything you just said there is so accurate. And he's very much team first. When you talk to him, he refuses to take any praise or accept any any um, any accolades or or he doesn't want any of the any of the success to be pointed towards him. He gives it all to the players. It's them, it's them who's working on the training field, it's them who have bought into things and just come together. And so, I mean, like I said, he's a team first guy, but he has done well. He's done well so far. He seems like he knows the league as well. So, uh, and you know, Atlanta United, whether you're, you know, I, I'm here at LAFC, I'm always keeping an eye on Atlanta United. It's an exciting franchise. You always want to know what they're going to do. Some of these uh, transfer targets they were talking about, and we know that uh, Tiago Almada, who I've watched, this guy was valued at $25 million and all these big names. It didn't happen, but they're always in pursuit. They did get, uh, who was Araujo? I didn't know a lot. He played for Lil. It was about, it's a big price tag and it's an exciting team to to be around and uh obviously they've had a bit of a 
a rough run here, certainly by the standards they set. Same, you know, LAFC, you know, these two teams were at the top. That's why their games are always national. You, why would a, a matchup between a team from Atlanta and a Los Angeles be a nationally televised game? But people are interested because of what they've done. So, I you know, I'm here at LAFC, and we have that game Sunday. And LAFC could really use a win, but I think they're getting Atlanta at the wrong time. Uh, and uh, it's uh, it's – it's just interesting that you have these two franchises, the two very different cities on two different sides of the country, and people are really compelled to watch it. That's a good sign. It is. It's a good sign for both franchises. It's a good sign for the league. You know, these are two teams who came in with good invest, uh, good ownerships who were willing to, who are ambitious, right? They're going to go out there. They're going to, they're not, they're not shying away from spending the money that it takes to bring in some quality players. They've had, they both had success early on uh, Atlanta winning MLS cup and then LAFC having that record setting year where, you know, they did everything, but win MLS cup. And so, yeah, the bar's been set. Um, they have passionate fan bases with attached to, to both clubs. And I think that's where MLS is at this point in time where, you know, you have strong ownership groups, you have ambitious ownership groups, you have quality players on the pitch, you have fan bases that are bought in and are, educated about the game they're not sure. just you know you're drunk hooligans no these guys know the game and that's why they demand so much from their teams and so it's gonna be yeah it's gonna be a great game it's gonna be an exciting game um yeah lafc is a little bit in a in an awkward position where performances haven't been to the standard that's expected from them results haven't gone their way either but you know that's kind of a a time when teams can be dangerous because then they have so much to prove bob is a manager who demands the best you know out of his players out of out of himself as well. So he's going to be fired up and trying to get a result. And then Atlanta, you just, we, we, we just talked about what Rob Valentino has done with this group of players. And it was just really good to see it all kind of come together on Saturday night and to them, for them to get the three points, because the last couple of performances before that, they probably did enough to where they could have won those games and were a little bit sure. unlucky. So, so to, to have the grit to, to get the job done in a tough place playing against, as you said, the champions and Columbus crew, it was a, a special win for them. And hopefully that's the start of some good things for them. And they can put together a streak and start getting their way into that playoff conversation. Little bonus MLS talk here, which is always good. Uh, I think LAFC will get it. will get back on track. I think they're just in the middle thing where they're figuring some, some combinations out what's going to work, how certain players are most effective. You know, they still have a lot of role uh, turnover in players. They have a new striker. Uh, Eddie Segura is gone. I think they'll get there, but they're just going to, this is going to be a tough little stretch, which uh, it happens. By the way, you have any good spots in Atlanta? You've been spending some time there. I mean, I, I used to go to college down the road at Florida State. We go to Atlanta. Yeah. You know what's crazy? It's, it's a lot bigger than people think it is. They think it's like this small. It's not. It's massive. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. And to be honest with you, man, I my trips there are always so short-lived because, <laughs> I, I, no, honestly, I'm, I'm flying in. I'm trying I know to maximize the feeling. I know my the feeling. time at home with my family before I have to go on the road. So I'm flying in, getting in there late on a Friday. So that's not, that's a wash. Right. And then Saturday is a game day and then I'm flying out first thing Sunday morning. So um, yeah, I'll, I'll get, I'll text you some restaurants and stuff that you can check out, but that, it, it has been fun. Um, it's just, it's fun to be attached to a club who's invested in the sport. Right. And, and it also being in a city that is invested in the sport. I think that's one thing that Atlanta's done a really good job of is tapping into their local market and really making everything that's Atlanta United is feel like it's truly authentic to Atlanta. Um, so it's, no, it's been fun being a part of that and I'm, I'm enjoying it. And it's always good when you start winning games as well. That's always good too. That makes it a lot easier. 
And uh, those late night dinners, you know, if you're eating at 11 p.m. because it's the only time you can eat, it goes down a lot, lot smoother. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, I also forgot to mention you work at Fox. We saw you a lot this summer. Uh, and I, I would imagine there's no one better to, to talk to about this because you called the Nations League USA-Mexico and you're in studio for USA-Mexico for Fox. Two victories. I will say I attended both games. So I'm taking a lot of the credit because I think my aura and my energy. That's what it was. Yeah. Will them. So I've already told Mexico, just make sure I'm not there November 12th in Cincinnati when they play for the qualifier, but I'm planning on going there. I think I like that. You know, what's crazy. I, I, this is a go off on tangent, but that's what I do here. My, my favorite football team, or I, it's kind of waning is the Cincinnati Bengals. And I've never been in Cincinnati and I was actually born in Ohio, but the other side of Ohio near okay. Cleveland, but I never been to Cincinnati. So this is, could be one of those moments. So they're going to get another win for sure. Cause it's going to be really good energy. So you got to just go to every game then. I got to go to every game. So uh, that's the that's what I, the price I will pay for this country and success. But I know the the big thing for this Gold Cup, and I'll ask you that in a second, is to find out which players you can call into the World Cup qualifying cycle. And there's going to be three games at a time within like six days. So it's going to be very difficult for anyone to play all three games, especially in their entirety. I'm sure there'll be somebody that can probably manage it so you want a big roster so we'll get to that but what i mean this is i i think at the beginning of the summer i said it'd be great if we get these usa mexico games we're not promised either one of them the first one honduras and costa rica almost spoiled it uh, and it's not the same unless they're both there and then this one you know mexico and the u.s you know they got by the skin of their teeth to this final but they did it and two packs houses in Denver and Las Vegas, the USA wins, and they need all the good news and all the good energy into their program right now. Greg Berhalter looks really smart by the way he selected it. Um, I can't think of anything on the negative. I mean, the, 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 the big star players are rested for the World Cup qualifiers. I mean, if, you, if I had to give this out of a 10 rating for how the summer went for the U.S., I got to give them, let's, let's just say nine and a half. Not perfect, but pretty close. I mean... <laughs> Look, any summer where, well, first of all, I mean, I, I think when you're talking about winners this summer, of course, the whole program as a whole is a winner because I think there was a lot of optimism around this group of players because we see that they're talented players. They're talented players with their individual clubs playing at big clubs across the world, uh, around the world and being successful there. But, you know, the biggest question mark was how would this team fare when it came to real competitions, when there's a trophy at stake, when there's, when you're playing against Mexico in a final uh, against an experienced Mexican side and to go this summer and have that feat where you're playing Mexico twice in two different tournaments and to succeed, that's massive for Greg. I think it's massive for him getting two trophies this early in his tenure. It, it validates everything that we believe this team can be. Now I'm not going to sit here and say, okay, where we've arrived, but I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling really good about this group of players. <laughs> I was already, too. <laughs> yeah, I was already like really bullish about this group. And I've been vocal about that because I think that they have the ability to do something special. And I think this summer kind of just echoed that sentiment. What that did also is show the depth of this pool of players. Like we were, I think, I think a lot of us were pretty confident about our quote unquote A team, what that team could look like and how talented they were, what those pieces could shape up to be. But now we've seen during the Gold Cup, we've seen a, whatever you want to label that team. We've seen more depth in this team. Guys who rose to the occasion, guys who emerged out of, you know, crevices that 
maybe we didn't think of as national team players, but when the opportunity came, they were ready for it. So going into the qualifiers, it's going to be, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be interesting. What you just talked about having a roster of players who can actually contribute. I think we've seen that we actually have that now. Uh, and there's some guys who still weren't available that we still haven't seen a lot of because of injuries or, you know, just things having a line and they, they haven't had the opportunity, but the biggest takeaway is you want, you got two trophies in a summer, which I don't think has ever been done by the U S national team. So that's an amazing feat in itself. And for a young group of players, it's so important. So me and Alexi were going back and forth when we were doing the gold cup about initially it was what, about whether or not just getting to the final with this team was more, uh, was, I, know, was I said, if impressive. they made this, I said, if they made a semifinal, the gold cup was a success. That's what I said. And they did. And then they blew but, that right out the water. But would you, did you say that that was bigger than what happened in nation's league? See, and that's where our debate was because he was saying for this team to just get to the final that that was bigger, and I was like, no, 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 bigger than no. the nation. You, he said that getting to the final of the Gold Cup was bigger than winning the Nations League. Yeah, yeah, because beating Mexico that in that group. atmosphere was unbelievable. So what I I said my initially I said no, Nations League is way bigger than just getting to a final because you know just getting to a final is not winning a final. And I give I understand his point in that this is a whatever we're calling this group of players. We're saying that this isn't our top level players, et cetera, et cetera. But now winning the Gold Cup with this group of players, now that's a bigger, a better conversation and a better, better argument. But I still stand by this, right? I think the Nations League had significance both in the result on the field, but also the significance off the pitch. Because we've witnessed for so long, every time it's been a U.S.-Mexico final since 2007 is the last time we won in a final against Mexico, right? So you grow up with this kind of maybe stigma that if we get to a final against Mexico, okay, we're going to lose. And so for this young group of players who are now who are now our national team, they're championing this national team. They're carrying us forward to this next World Cup and beyond that. For them to get this victory this early in their career, that's massive for them. And it kind of just shifts that mindset of like, okay, well, okay, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> Mexico, okay, we, we just beat them. And so now this team that comes into the Gold Cup, they're inspired by that. They're like, well, these guys just did it before, so why can't we as well? And I think that kind of sets that into motion for this for the Gold Cup players to come in and, and now have success as well. And I give them tremendous amount of credit because as we've all been talking about, the narrative for them was just getting to the final of success. But they were like, that's not good enough for us. Like, no, we're going to take that one step further. And that's massive. I mean, that is that is dominance right there. And and I look at it now as the U.S. is going into qualifying top dog in this region. Yeah. Point blank. Point blank. I will let me add this. And by the way, it was a great win for Major League Soccer because they fielded those players that were on there and they called it a C team. And I was talking, I was arguing with Hercules about this, Hercules Gomez. And he says it's a C team. And then he said the B team is like the the kids, the De La Torres, the, the Conor De La Fuente, the, these guys that are not really proven. I go, but our, then our C team, if you're calling this the C team, would demolish a B team because they're too young, even though they're more talented. So it was a weird conversation. So I go, I, I can't really call them a C team because I feel confident is having an experienced group like that as a, a B team, which is like an, an older group. And a few of those guys can fill the gaps, but uh, I'm not sure. But you can touch on that. But I also want to say this. You said we're the number one team in the region. I think people in the know in Mexico are freaking out. I think yeah. they're going, okay, they're beating us in these finals and with a, a C team and the list of uh, accomplishments continues to roar in for the U S 
So in the last week, just there's never a dull minute with U.S. soccer. It's all good news. The last week, Josh Sargent makes a move to Norwich to go play in the Premier League where he probably could start for them. Uh, Conrad, who went from Barcelona, goes to Marseille. He's had two friendlies. He looks like he's a featured player for them based on these friendlies, and he's putting in these great assists. And then Brendan Aronson was with Salzburg, and he played a friendly against Barcelona, and he was running circles around them. I'm like, look at this stuff. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it keeps growing, and it's now it's not just like five guys putting their hands up. 20 guys have put their hands up. Now 30 guys, and you would know more in a team. If enough guys put their hands up, that has to put pressure on everyone, right? To say, I, I, if I want to make up this team, I gotta, I gotta really work. Yeah, well, well, yeah. I mean, the guys you listed, it's incredible. Conrad started today for Marseille, and they're in their Put in a great league game. Yeah, and so like, you're right. This is why I say Greg is one of the biggest winners in this whole in this whole scenario because one, like I said, he he gets two trophies first of all, which is massive because, like I said, it validates everything that he's been trying to do with this group and the ideas that he's trying to instill, the style of play, all that. It's great when when it's when you're beating teams and friendlies and it's great when it looks good, but it's even better when you're actually winning and winning trophies and being successful and having that to show for it. So that's massive for him. But then to your point, yeah, because all the guys that weren't at the Gold Cup, they would have been watching. They would have been seeing what's going on. Oh, they yeah. would have seen this team get to the final and they would have been watching like, okay, hold on a second. Wait, what's going But you want that. <laughs> but you know what I mean? You, they're you want that. They're all they're, they're teammates. But for Greg, any manager, you want – healthy competition for spots. Now, of course, there's going to be guys whose names are kind of in ink already in this lineup, but good. For those other, which yeah. Is, yeah but, but for those other positions, it keeps people hungry. It keeps them on their toes. Greg now has real decisions to make, which I don't know what, what manager wouldn't envy that. What manager wouldn't want to have selection problems because your squad is that deep. Now, when you have selection problems because you don't have quality or because you don't have players, that's a bigger problem. But when you have, when you have multiple legit options at different positions i mean what more could you ask for in that scenario um but yeah you're right we that was one of the biggest talking points about this summer is there's two tournaments at stake now we know mexico can be a pretty unforgiving program when it comes to to how they view their managers and their success or or failures and so tata's in the hot seat right i don't know i don't i don't i don't think it makes sense to fire him right before qualifying this close to qualifying uh, but but that's two trophies now that he lost and not just two trophies he lost in the same summer, but that he lost to the U S right. And so that's mass. That just adds even more pressure. He was brought in obviously to do well in qualifying and to take this team, maybe one step further in the world cup, but if things don't start off well in qualifying, well, his seat just continues to get hot. But I, another takeaway from this summer though, was just the increase in quality across this whole region. You know, I think yeah. the World Cup helped to show qualifying is going to be tough. Qualifying is going to yeah. be tough. We, I mean, you you mentioned it before. Nations League, Costa Rica and Honduras gave both the U.S. and Mexico a good fight, and then we saw in Gold Cup. I mean, El Salvador they look they look like a pretty pretty good team. Jamaica is going to be a good team with with so many pieces that they were missing. Um, um, of course, Canada, who should have made the final. Canada should have beat Mexico, right? Yeah. Like, so. There's, there's so many – Honduras is going to be a better team when they have a fully fit team when, when Elise is available and can play. I, and Honduras, is a, Honduras and Costa Rica, who are like those teams competing for World Cup spots, they're the ones that have to be shaking in their boots because they're going to be like, we we might have fallen down a peg or two. Costa Rica is the one where I'm like, you guys have some questions to answer because mm. there's still 
heavily reliant on you know your veteran guys which is great if they're able to still perform but at some point the transition has to happen where these young players start to emerge and start to kind of push out if brian ruiz is still your best number 10 that's great but at some point you know you need these younger guys to come in and say like hey we're gonna go ahead and assume this and take over uh, but i think they're a team that's when i look back on let's say gold cup for example they're the team that maybe i think has the most questions to answer going into, into qualifying. I love the El Salvador shout. And I think they're going to be tough because, you know, Hugo Perez has taken over and they've worked on something clear to me. He's worked on their fitness because they outran everyone. They outran Mexico. Uh, who else did they play? Was it the, oh, uh, Qatar, Qatar. And uh, they, they, Qatar was spent in El Salvador. Still had, so they've been working on their fitness and that's a huge weapon, especially in these kind of tournaments. And for the U.S. in in a World Cup qualifying where you need to have depth, you know, Greg Berhalter's done that. And you have three games in a pop that uh, they'll be able to do it. So, I mean, let's talk about some of the Gold Cup guys that that stood up. I think defensively, they've gotten a lot deeper. Uh, by the way, I also didn't mention Zach Steffen started the Community Shield or whatever they call yeah. it. And he made some big saves. Yeah. So just yeah. – as I like to say, add it to the list. So, I mean, yeah. we'll start defensively because I think Matt Turner, I think to me, I, I, I'd say he's our number one, but I'm sure he's going to be viewed as the number two, but maybe he gets a game and Ethan Horvath's certainly in there uh, as well. But I, I imagine with those three games, maybe he starts one uh, for what he's did because he was remarkable. Uh, player of the tournament to, to many of the folks. And then Sands and Robinson, I think, are in. And uh, I don't know, maybe... Maybe some of these guys get a few more minutes. What do you think of the defensive group? But I, I mean, and some people are saying, could Miles Robinson get into an 11 or Sands? I mean, they, they, they were just super steady. Um, John Brooks is the one guy there, but it, it feels like that second center back position could be still open. No. So what I was, yeah, I mean, I would say <clears throat> my, um, Matt Turner was a, was a massive winner from that tournament. I mean, incredible the the level of confidence that he gives the players in front of him yeah. is everything that you want from a goalkeeper, right? They maybe feel some safe. Games they not, feel safe with him back there. They knew it. Yeah, you're not. Maybe you're not always called upon because some games you're going to have a lot of the ball. You're going to dominate, but when the when you are called upon, you want a pair of sure hands, a guy that you know you can trust to make those saves and make the big plays. And he coming out of that tournament, I mean, he was a well deserved winner of the Golden Gloves, um, and. Uh, yeah, he's I, he's definitely in my mind. Who would you two, start? Who would you? Who would be moment? Marisa Du's number one right now. I mean, I don't. I don't think Zach Steffen is anything. That's and this is again. We talk about Greg Berhalter having a having a good problem in front of him, but I don't think Zach. You just talked about the game he played today. I don't think he's done. Or excuse me, yesterday. I don't think he's done anything necessarily to lose his spot. Right huh. now, if we this next month. As we get closer and closer to that to that first game of qualifying, September second, I think it is. You know, yes. form will come into play. How many games is he getting? How many reps is he getting? Um, and he's not going to probably get a lot. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I would imagine that Greg would probably still feel confident playing him, and and I don't think that that's a bad option. I think, like I said, I would feel confidence. You flip a coin, and I would feel confident either. Then goal. I don't. But again, I don't think that he's done anything necessarily to lose that spot. Matt Turner has increased his stock tremendously, though. Uh, and moving into the back line, I think Miles Turner was, if Matt Turner was one, Miles Turner was 1A. Like he, and maybe it could be the other way. Maybe Miles was one and Matt Turner was 1A because they were that close in terms of being the most valuable players for their team. Miles for me, and I 
obviously I cover Atlanta United. So I had a conversation with him a couple months or maybe a month before the tournament started, just talking about what this tournament was for him and just, you know, what, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, he just very humble, very humble kid. Love him, love him to death. And um, just talked about that. He was just excited, excited to get this opportunity with the national team. And, you know, it was a chance for him to play at the international level and to, and to just, he was ready, but he was ready for it. And <laughs> he showed he was ready for it. It was it was his steady improvement from game to game, his confidence level. Um, of course, I think everyone's going to remember him for scoring the game-winning goal. But, I mean, even before the goal, if he doesn't score that goal, in my mind, he's still one Rock of the biggest solid. winners out of this tournament. He, yeah. I mean, his 1v1 defending, his another – Good passing, too. Both him and Sands. It's like stuff that you, you only dream about from central defenders. And I'm, I have the luxury because I see that on a week-to-week basis in Atlanta, right? And so I sometimes take it for granted because – that's just the norm of what I expect from him. Uh, and then when you hear someone else mention it, you're like, well, yeah, that's just what he does. But <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a, it's an incredible asset and a quality that he just demonstrates so easily. But I think another telling moment for, for him and for me was when Zimmerman got hurt. Right. I think Zimmerman was a leader in that back line, kind of the one that the, the more experienced player and the one who organized and commanded that back line when he got injured, I, it looked like Miles assumed that role and like he embraced it. Like he was like, all right, this is my back line now. I'm going to be the leader back here. And he put that team and that back line on his shoulder, assumed a lot of responsibility. And he's come back into Atlanta and come back with that, a heightened level of individual confidence, but now an ability to be maybe more vocal and to demand more from his teammates because he's shown now, he's shown at the international level that he can do the same thing that he does at the club level. Shaq Moore, <laughs> he had a good tournament. You know, yeah. he had a good tournament. He was ready for the occasion. Unfortunately, Reggie Cannon goes down injured before the first game. And Shaq Cannon's, uh, uh, excuse me, Shaq Cannon, I'm mixing the name, Shaq Moore. <laughs> I like this because it's the best of two players put them together. You know? <laughs> it's like Cristiano Messi, you know, get that guy out there. Right. So, but, but no, and it's crazy that we're producing right backs as if like we have a factory for it or something right now. But he stepped in, had another good tournament. I think Reggie Cannon is probably still your number one choice at that position if Sergio Des is on the left. But a lot of people have shown – James Sands shown well for himself. If they play a three-back, I'd love to see him as a number six as well. We didn't get sure. that, that, that helped, That's, that's got to help his chances, no, to make yeah, a squad. They could play a couple, yeah, he could play a couple different positions. It allows you to be flexible in-game without having to make a substitution as well. So, uh, yeah, from the back line, I think those are the ones – which is pretty much the whole back line <laughs> who have done, who have done themselves a, a, a solid in that after that tournament. We know Legette's going to be there. Uh, Greg's very confident in him. So we kind of probably knew that anywhere. I, I, I would think Busio and DK may have hurt their chances a little bit. And because there's a lot of young players and uh, maybe they slip in depending on what you need in those positions. I think uh, the attack is, uh, you know, Jossie is going to be hard to keep off this roster because of everything he does. Uh, Matthew Hoppy is going to be hard, plus he's 6'3", and he just works hard. I was doing the LAC broadcast, and someone, I think it was Christopher Sullivan, said he kind of reminds me of Eric Winalda, and I'm like, yeah, that's a good thing, too. That's a good shout. So, you know, those guys were able to – by the way, the defensive end, they allowed one goal in six games. If you do that, you're going to win. You're, yeah, you're going to win the penalty. You're going to win a t- tournament. So, I, I mean – some of these attacking players pr- may have seen them, seen their ways through. What do you, I mean, what do you think of the Busio DK and, uh, and Hoppy playing in Germany and, you know, in the second division should be active enough to, to stay in the good graces. No. 
Uh, you know, before I even get to that, uh, you know, the other one in midfield that that when you're talking about biggest winners, Kellen Acosta for me. Oh, of course, yes. Kellen was. It, it almost feels like you can't go without him. He's just yeah so valuable and so. And then to hit a free kick, and they were struggling with set pieces, and to put the whole that tournament. just fantastic ball in. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, his set piece delivery, but but. He could be the cover for Tyler Adams. Sorry to interrupt you, but it feels like they that, that was one of the things on their to-do list. Who can we get to if Tyler's injured or can't go all the time? And I said, Acosta now seems like there's your piece. Yeah, and here's a here's an even another one for you, right? Like Kellen for sure, for sure. I think his he's the if Tyler's not fit, he's the six because I mean his comfort on the ball, his range of passing. We show, he showed a, a tenacity, a level of aggression knowing when to get stuck into challenges in that mexico game i mean he bossed that midfield like he the last couple games actually he just bossed that midfield single-handedly that was a good midfield man that's herrera that's uh who's that's an alvarez that's that's an alvarez the player of the tournament almost for mexico he owned it and so yeah he's another one that was a big winner for me he could even and and the thing about him too is you know similar to like james sands where he could play center back he could play as a six Kellen could play all across that midfield. He could play a six. He could play. We keep talking about him being the backup to Tyler. Well, if Tyler's fit, there's a possibility we could see a Tyler as a six and then Weston and Kellen in front of him. You know, like that's that's not too far-fetched in my mind. Uh, and then moving forward, Eric Williamson's the one that I would I would be intrigued to see more of yeah. as well. You know, Christian Roldan, right? This is probably a guy who's not on many people's radar. Every every time he was in a game, he made a difference. Every time he changed the game. Yeah. So we, Greg, before the final, you know, that's one of the things he said. It, he was like, "It's a little bit unfortunate to uh, to Christian because maybe he's done enough to start, but he's just been so effective off the bench that he wants to kind of have that card to play later on in the game, and so that might be a way for him to." get onto a roster because yeah. Greg knows what he's going to get from him. And if it's a late in the game, he's a good player to bring off the bench. But I agree with you. I think, I think Matthew Hoppy, he's an intriguing piece. We haven't seen him as a number nine, which is probably like his better position. He's played a little bit wide in Germany as well, but like just his work rate, he has like this kind of like F you mentality. This like kind of like, like bad boy villain type vibe, which I like. It bring those like guys on. I love it. I'm saying the way like that's his first game against Mexico and he didn't back down whatsoever. Like he's in the face of players. He, he's doing a, a Iverson esque as he's stepping over players. You know what I mean? After a challenge and stuff like that. And you need, you, you need that. Like you need that kind of different personality. Who's just has that grit. He's going to run his ass off the whole game as well. And so I'd be, I, I think he makes it, he's involved in that picture for sure. Jossie's in that picture. Yeah. I mean, as much as I think a lot of us were excited and intrigued to see DK, emerge as a number one in that pool of players didn't happen for him and yeah. and he's still young he's still young yeah. i mean it's it, it he still has to work he's had a very busy few months uh, that's the thing that i think we sometimes forget like this guy's gone from season to season to season without any much of a real break and this is like his first professional season he's still young he's still what 21 and i don't think that this is anywhere shape or form like he's like out of the question now but this it didn't no. happen for him the way that we wanted it to or we thought that it would this tournament but he'll still very much so be involved in the conversation like we said there's three games in a window so i'm sure he'll be in that pool but jossie did well to push himself to be in one or two in that in that conversation josh Sargent is you know back you just you just mentioned he's making a move to norwich so that's another opportunity for him to maybe in a different league maybe with a different team get some opportunities for some goals and 
so we have a good we have a dilemma in that area as well but um you know i think two relatively worthy candidates there Giochini, i mean he's another guy put his hand up i just don't know i mean i think with the forward situation which is still a a concern because Josh Sargent hasn't scored goals at the club level. And Daryl DK, you were, I was falling in love with him. And I just reminded, okay, he still needs to cook a little bit more uh, to, to get that. But, you know, I, I think it's Sargent. Uh, I like the fact that Zardes gives you an experienced player who can come in there. And maybe Hoppy's that third guy who can cover you as a center forward and can play a little bit out wide. I, I, Paul Ariola, and I, by the way, Berhalter loves him. And then you see how he presses and presses. I go, Burhalter is going to do, I think, everything in his power to have a Paul Ariola make that team. And maybe Christian Roldan, because he's got the, the way these guys work. Yeah, I mean, if, if Ariola is a part of that team, I would imagine him, you know, more so as a guy, a depth piece again. Yeah. Um, you know, coming off the bench and trying to provide a spark and impact. Yeah, you just mentioned Christian Roldan, similar, similar to that, because, you know, with the, with the whole group there, that's when you have your Gio Reynas, you have your Christians, you have your, let's say, you know, Musa, although he's out injured right now, you have your, uh, well, Musa could play as an eight or he could play, play wide. And then, you know, your Brendan Aronson, Sebastian Lejet could play wide as well. So Timothy way, I don't know why I forgot him. He's in that, in that conversation as a, as a winger and potentially a nine, we haven't seen him much as a nine, but you know, he came into that final in nations league and played almost like a wing back, which, you know, I was impressed. I was impressed with the way that he was. And this is why I give great credit, right? When you're able to take a player like Timothy Weah, who's for his career, you know, played more as an attacking player, a winger with the freedom to get forward and get at players or as a nine and, you know, causing havoc, scoring goals. When you have, when you can get a player like bought in in a final where he's probably thinking, if I score a goal in this game, this is highlight real type, highlight real worthy uh, of an accolade, of an accomplishment but he's tracking back. He's doing dirty work. He's putting in tackles. I was like, okay, I like this. You know, this is, this is, this is a good sign. Dirty work. I like that. Players. You know what I mean? So this is a, it's an exciting bunch. Whenever I talk about this group, I just start smiling and I just start imagining the different possibilities of what this team could look like. But as we mentioned before, qualifying is not going to be easy, No. but I'm glad that they got this taste this summer. This was, this was so valuable for them to experience one for the for the uh, Nations League group to experience that cadence of qualifying, and then for this for the group during the Gold Cup to experience what it's like to go through similar similar cadence, but then playing against more Concacaf teams and just going through that grind and what that's what that what those games can feel like, what the refereeing can feel like to a certain extent. Uh, but I, I feel confident about this group that they'll be ready for that first game against El Salvador. Greg Rodgers played it all right. And I think, by the way, Timothy Way is the kind of guy that I, I has been great, but I think uh, ha- is one of those guys that's watching this going, all right, where do I fit in? You know, like you mentioned, those guys that have all the talent, I go, okay, so I got to make sure that I, I maintain a spot here, but it's going to be difficult based on what we saw at the Gold Cup. Because, it, look, it's going to be 23, maybe 26 guys that uh, get this initial call in and see where that goes from there. But that's still a limited number of players based on all the names we just mentioned. Yeah, I mean, but but he's also a player I think that has a he has a unique skill set and he's hungry. I mean, he's just like most of the guys in this group where they're hungry, right? And yeah, and that's going to yeah. feed everybody. That's going to get those yeah. top guys even more geared in. It's such a good situation. Yeah, good problem to have. Like I, this, there's this. <laughs> we're winning, we're winning the World Cup, Maurice. We're winning the World Cup. 
<laughs> U.S. soccer, we just came away from this summer, like, with so many positives, right? Like, the, the amount of people that I've had texting my phone who don't care about soccer, you know, they only yes. just care about, like, major tournaments, whether it's the Olympics or, like, a, a memorable moment that were blowing my phone up after nations. Like, like yo, we just beat Mexico. Like, what the heck? Like, and then it happened again. They blow Yo, we just beat them again. Like, what? Like, I go, yeah, trying to I'm get at the, like, to... yeah, I know. I'm at the stadium, dude. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, bro, I'll text you back. I'm on, I'm, I'm on air. Like, yeah, relax. Um, but just, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here trying to explain to them what these, what these different uh, occasions are, what they mean, the significance, et cetera, et cetera. And that's, I mean, that in itself is valuable, right? Like we're, we're, we're creating and attracting new fans because we all love a winner. Right. And right now the U S this is, we won this summer. We won, right. Like we're, we're one of the, this U S soccer is one of the biggest uh, winners this summer, two tournaments, two trophies. That's massive. That's nice. You made the time to, to talk out with those guys. And look, that's the, that's the, the ring that we're trying to grab is to gain new fans and get people excited. Cause you know, for people who cover soccer selfishly, it's money in our pocket. We're getting people engaged. We're getting work. People are interested. That's good for all of us. And it's just a fan. It's fantastic. And see this country rally around the team as we've seen in 2014 and previous world cups before we didn't make one. You, you obviously know what it feels like and it's uh it's tremendous. And you got to enjoy that in 2010 and, we want that back, and it could be even better based on what we've seen here. Um, hey, I wanted to ask you about uh, Leo Messi because uh, I'm going to talk about it a little bit more later in the pod, but all this happening, the biggest sports story uh, over these last 24 hours that uh, leaving Barcelona, it looks like PSG. I heard there was like a billion-dollar offer from uh, the Qatari club that Xavi coaches. I mean, it's insane money. But, uh, you know, I was watching this press coverage. He, didn't leave, he doesn't want to leave. And it was, uh, he has no other choice. It was just really weird. Just yeah, just... it's shame on Barcelona, man. Like, shame on Barcelona. And it's sad because, yeah, you, I watched the press conference as well. And just, just, I mean, see the emotion that, I think whenever you see players leave Barcelona, it's a special club, right? You saw a similar emotion from, from um, uh, Puyol when he left, Xavi and Iniesta, like you see the same kind of emotional attachment that they had to this club that they grew up and and spent you know their their lives there. They grew from boys to men in in that environment. Messi is the same thing, and to the part for me where he said like I didn't I wanted to leave last year, but this year I didn't want to leave. Right, and it's like it breaks your heart. Uh, You're like oh, I just I just feel for him. It's to you know to to give up and I. I Here's one part that just kills me and just like, I, I, I don't have time for these kind of comments whatsoever. Is when I see people saying stuff or people are whispering like, oh, if he wants to save that bad, why doesn't he play for free? Like, bro, what are you talking about? Like, what are you, like, 50, what are you talking 50 about? Why 50% you... discount. I, but he shouldn't be giving that money up. He shouldn't. Why, and, why, uh, why, he should why be asking for more money because they're going to be making money off of him a lot yeah. more than they'd be paying. But that's where I think he's, you know, I thought he would kind of have to cut the ties. That's it. I mean, I look, I'm, it's still going to get paid. I, I'm doing an incredible service for you. And it's just, they had horrible finances that put them in a hole that they could, they could have never gotten out of. Yeah. And that's the part that, that's the part that I, I just, I really feel for him. And it, it makes the whole market now crazy because there's only a couple of teams that can really afford him. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Realistically, there's not, there's not for, for the best player in the world, you would think like, oh, every club can just, they're going to make the big, they're going to put in bids. But there's only a few teams that can realistically afford him. You're right. PSG is the one that seems to be his his 
most likely destination. And it's going to be weird, man. It's going to be weird seeing him in a different kit, seeing him potentially playing at camp now in a different kit, like, you know, walking out in that same stadium, but where not wearing the Barcelona colors, like, it, but I guess this is, this is, it, it may affect right? him. Unfortunately, he may it, knowing his affinity for Barcelona, he might get a case of the yips or something. Oh, I can't do this because he is so intertwined with that club. You could see it in that press conference. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if that part, I don't know. You know, we never know. I don't know. Yeah. Really I know just, it's, it just feels very visceral. So. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, it hurt me, man. Like to just see when I first saw it, I was like, okay, this is kind of like a ploy by Barcelona. They're putting out this statement because they want La Liga to, to crumble and say, we can't allow, we're not going to let that happen because we're going to lose so much money from Messi not being in, in La Liga. Barcelona, you're going to take a hit, but like La Liga is going to suffer as well. You know, there's no Ronaldo sure. now. There's no Messi. What, the the the, um, the Classico, you lost. Now you don't have your two biggest no. stars, your two biggest draws. So I thought that that was a ploy from Barcelona to get La Liga to say, all right, we'll do whatever we need to do to make sure Messi is going to sign that contract and we'll play the next couple of years here. And then you just keep seeing more and more start coming out. And then when Messi finally put out a statement, I was like, oh, this is this is really happening. Like this this is how I, I, I don't know how to feel about it. I mean, I know how I feel about it, but I was just like still trying to process everything. And it's just, it's madness, but yeah. Um, PSG are our favorites. Their odds are favorites. If they <laughs> well, sign them now, their odds on favorites to win Champions League, right? They have it's to it's unbelievable. But if Messi is such a, uh, is such a valuable commodity. Like if he came to MLS ahead of their broadcast deal, the, that means probably a hundred million dollars more, if not more in broadcast revenue, because Messi's in the league. Uh, obviously everything that comes with it, with him being here and fans buying shirts and this, I mean, we're looking at, I mean, I don't, I don't know what to say, but I'm thinking like half a billion dollars. Is that crazy? The commercial aspect is incredible. The commercial I mean, aspect, he would make this league half a billion dollars with everything. And this, is, if, and this, no, and that's why I thought that that was like Barcelona's, I thought that was their agenda was that they were just trying to basically show La Liga, like, look, all right, we're putting a statement out saying Messi's not going to sign. Like, what's your move now? Because you're not going to allow him to leave. Like, there's no way you're going to really let this man leave this league. You let Ronaldo leave, which was crazy in itself, but you're not going to really let Messi leave now too. Right. But it, it's happening, right. It's happening. And I just, I hope that he has success wherever he ends up next, because, you know, I think he's, I think he's a goat. Plain yeah. and simple. He's the easily the best player I've ever seen or played against. But then just from from a historical standpoint, too, like what a summer for him, man. Like he he finally gets that trophy internationally that everyone's been. For those who don't say that he's the GOAT, for those who say either when it's the Ronaldo, uh, Ronaldo Messi debate, they say Ronaldo has the edge because he's won that. OK, well, finally, he gets over that hurdle. And maybe even from a personal standpoint, that might be his trophy that he's most proud of because it's for Argentina um he gets that done and then he comes and then he and then now he's being forced out of his club like what the, the highs and lows that's the highs and lows of this sport being on full display uh in that in that scenario right there unbelievable and uh it's going to be incredible to see it and again people I've never seen whether he's the best of all time uh he is the most beloved player I've ever seen I mean people who's your goat a Mar- Maradona, and I'm not budging on that one. Okay. So, okay. Just uh, because of the, fl- the the all his flaws too, I loved it. He was so. I mean, I just as a as a person that it was just like 
so many mistakes and he still he still manages to be on top but Maurice, you are first class, my friend. I knew I was gonna. I knew these. Every time I go here, it's gonna go longer. But I, I just love having a conversation about this sport with you. And I'll be looking for you out there. Hopefully, we can get together, have a a coffee or something stronger here in the next few days. Sounds good, my man. Appreciate you having me on. Oh, anytime, Maurice Adu joining us here in the business end and coming up, we'll continue that messy discussion. And who is to blame for all of this? That's coming up on stoppage time. This is a soccer OG. back here and it is time for stoppage time we're going to talk about Lionel Messi who uh there was just a bizarre press conference I mean I I I did not expect to start crying here in the middle of the day and as I said to Mo in the last segment there's never been a more beloved player in the, the world never no, and if we can talk about the best player in the world, there's an argument. But when it comes to the, the, the most revered player, it's Lionel Messi. People, you know, have a, a, a visceral effect when they talk about him. But he had a, a farewell, which, you know, we left the man in tears. And you could see what this club meant to him. Uh, and you, you, as, as if you could only wish that that was your club that, that had it. And unfortunately, Barcelona has a lot of things on their plate to resolve the situation that they are in. And just to talk about their finances, uh, I was listening to Sid Lowe who said all of the uh, money they expect to make in the fiscal year and it is 100% going to be spent on player salaries. So before you pay anyone else, before you do this and leases, all that money you made... 110% of it goes to uh, player salaries. And that's not Lionel Messi's fault. And as I also said to Mo, there's never been a player worth uh, his weight (laughs) than Messi because wherever he goes, you're going to make an incredible profit. This Qatari club, Al Saad, offering a billion dollars over three years. A billion dollars. People go to Qatar to see him. Jersey sales would go through the roof. Obviously, it's kind of silly money in parts of the world like that. But, um, you know, this all happened with Messi, and we we expected it to be resolved. La Liga was putting on uh, a kibosh on, uh, on Barcelona to make sure that uh, they stayed within whatever you want to call it, the financial fair play. It's not that. Uh, and that's an expression that probably has to go by the wayside. Uh, he, uh, just to go, the club's wage bill stood at 110% of their revenue and their spending cap with La Liga has dropped from 600 million euros to 200 million to make ends meet. So they couldn't register Messi's new deal, even with a big pay cut. And he said he was going to play for 50%, which is outrageous, outrageous that he would even say that. Unbelievable. You talk about a guy bleeding Barcelona red and blue. His base salary before was 70 million gross without bonus. If you can get Lionel Messi for 35 million, I mean, that's the bargain of a lifetime. So La Liga really wouldn't budge, which was somewhat surprising uh, because of the loss that they would take with Lionel Messi, with their broadcast partners, with uh, every revenue stream, because everything surrounds around, surrounds. Messi in that Liga. So 
He leaves with 672 goals in 778 games. Record breaker all across. We saw his wife and his children there, and they were. it was very difficult. The body language was, I mean, it's just breathtaking. So La Liga uh, made it very difficult, and Joan Laporta said, we have no choice. We've got to do this, and this is what Barcelona has to do. Barcelona has to do this. They've got to make things right so they can come out here and be much more responsible and uh, spend money wisely, which you can. And Barcelona carries so much clout. Uh, you know, it wasn't the messy contract that got them in trouble. It was these crazy miss, missing the target on luxury players that they should have never done. So uh, he's been a free agent. And he announced that on June the 30th. But we expected him to sign. And then this hit us like a ton of bricks. And like Mo was, Maurice was mentioning, we were like, okay, they're going to, this is all going to get resolved here. And they're going to come out the other end. And um, they'll be better for it, you know? And they'll say, okay, we'll make this work. This is crazy for us to leave. Um, now, with everything it broke on, this process of dealing with the contract to get a new contract it, it never was going to happen never was going to happen but here we are since june the 30th and i wonder what the heck is the representation of Lionel messi thinking to put their player through this i know you want to play here but you should have known and had the intel to know that this was never going to happen and you have to pass that on to your client and you didn't and you've put him in this precarious situation and this uh, this depression now that he's in, who knows how he recovers? I've never seen someone affected by this so much. I mean, this is a throwback to the years of, you know, one man, one club. Players go through so many clubs now that you, you, you're you indifferent to it. But this was a throwback. But I have to wonder, what is Jorge Messi doing? And don't ever have, don't have your father as your agent. Don't. This is on him too. At least the part of not having to go through this process, knowing what we know now that it was never going to happen. Unless they got La Liga to change their mind. It was never going to happen and Joan Laporta said it. And it gets me angry that the representation for Messi didn't see this and embarrassed their client. Anyhow, it's, uh, that's what I say. Look, Barcelona, this is their fault. And they, they blew it, but it's time for them to put this behind us. It, their club is bigger than Messi, all right? Their club is bigger, and at some point, they were going to have to uh, go their separate ways. I mean, what Messi said, too, like, uh, I, wanted to go, I wanted to go last year, but I didn't now? How does Messi not have that information that it's not going to happen with Barcelona? Maybe... Uh, maybe this is the way they wanted to kind of make it look. I doubt it. I take Messi for a man of his word. I think he is. Um, I believe him for everything, but he shouldn't be in the situation where he said this when this club let him down in such a big way. Prepare your client. Prepare your client. To say that, I mean, that is just heartbreaking. I wanted to go a year ago. I didn't now, which means he's seen the reaction from the players and the fans, and he said, my family's happy here unbelievable unbelievable because this is a this his value is half a billion to a billion dollars that's what he brings to a league and now this french league to paris saint-germain which is really one of the only two clubs that could have signed him he could have gone to maybe a league i, I said mls maybe league mx 
Uh, he wants to go to the Champions League, and he'll have a great chance of winning it with uh, PSG, which made a final two seasons ago and made a semifinal and kind of blew it in the semifinal. Should have gone by there. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how far they go. They, they, they didn't win the French Championship, so he will help that. Uh, the French League is is not too shabby. I love what Jorge Sampaoli is doing at Marseille. Uh, Lille are the reigning champions. Kama, uh, the, the the two young uh, Decos or and Kamavinga at Rennes. Uh, Monaco always developing great talent. It's going to be a fun watch. PSC should win it. He wants to win it. He's thirty four. He'll probably get a couple years here and. Uh, you know, this is a, an incredible deal for PSG. You know, they don't have to pay a transfer fee. Barcelona gets in on some of the money with the merchandise, etc. But this is incredible business for Paris Saint-Germain, who always overpay, but they didn't have to here. This is a savvy move. A lot more money's coming in that's going out. I can promise you that. He'll be happy with that group. Don't forget Angel Di Maria, who is his confidant, a fellow left footer, who those two have come up together. Uh, Kylian Mbappe, I don't know if he'll be there. I imagine the Real Madrid move could happen. And I think it's kind of a good effect if it was. It's too many cooks in a kitchen. Oh, I think Mbappe would work better with Messi now than Neymar. Sure, Neymar and Messi, Luis Suarez worked when they won the Champions League at Barcelona. was at 2005, but that's a long time ago. Uh, not 2005, 2015. <laughs> Still a long time ago. But it's... um. I just don't think you just drop Lionel Messi and this is a well-oiled machine. Messi is, you've got to build around him. He doesn't run like he used to. You need to cover that with your players. Argentina did a great job of doing that in the Copa America. Luis Caloni got players that would work hard around him and it worked. By the way, it wasn't pretty to watch, but it was effective. But Lionel Messi's there. He doesn't, he's not involved in the game all the time. But then when he needs that terrific ball, when he needs that free kick, there he is. And it works. I don't know how that works with Paris Saint-Germain. He's going to be incredible stars, but I want to sound cliche. There's just one ball. And I think it'll probably work out at, at some point. Certainly will win the French League. I don't know how far they go in the Champions League just because the Premier League teams, Chelsea and Manchester City, are so strong right now. They have really bolstered their teams. But... I just don't think you throw that down there and it just works. That's going to be a tough one. And uh, Mauricio Pochettino is going to have a... Remember how he played in some of these games in the Champions League? He got very defensive-oriented. That's kind of his thing. Uh, when it, when push comes to shove, and are you going to be that when you have these players? Are, can you play all those guys at the same time without compromising the team? That's It's not that easy. It's going to be fun to watch, though. This is the soccer OG. I don't want to go too far in there. I just was, I, I, we'll talk more about Lionel Messi and we can't wait to see this ceremony at the Eiffel Tower. It's going to be mind blowing. We'll talk to you very soon. Subscribe, share, rate, review, download the program. And as I always say, on a Sunday night for your Monday morning coffee, Placido Domingo.